Good afternoon and welcome to Everyday Law. I am your host, Bob Clark. Today, our guest is, well, our guest is me, actually. This is remarkably our 50th show, and I really wanted to uh, make an homage to the people who have been kind enough to be guests on the show, and perhaps more importantly, the people who produce the show. And off the bat, I'd really like to thank Chris Avieto, who has been the guiding light throughout this. Um, those of you who are familiar with Dragon Digital Radio know her from Chris in the Morning and know her as this sort of upbeat, happy, genial soul. And I can say from having been in the studio with her uh, 50 times or more, that that's really who she is. And it's been a real privilege working with her and with the other people here at the station. Uh, none of this would be possible without them. Uh, I'd like to thank Brendan and Ryan and Jason and Matt, all of whom have been active participants in the show. And uh, that's just kind of things from the start. As always, anything that is said on the show is not reflective of the views and opinions of Howard County Community College, its employees, faculty, or students. And any legal advice that we purport to give on this show is not legal advice. It is intended to be general discussions of legal concepts that I believe would be useful to the people who take in this show. And if you do have an individual legal problem, we stress this every show, but you should really talk to an actual attorney about things and give them the individual facts of your situation. Um, various people in my life have participated in this show. Some of the people are longtime friends. Some are acquaintances. Some are people I've never met before who've kindly agreed to come into the studio and provide their wisdom I'd like to focus on them, talk a little bit about some of the topics that we have covered uh, across the last two years and three months or so since the show's been on, and talk a little bit about prospective topics for the future, some ideas that I've had and others have had, some volunteers uh, who have come up with things they think would be beneficial to the community here. Um, so with that, I kind of will focus a little bit on, on the guests we've had, and I, I wrote them down rather randomly. <clears throat> um, last week we had Lynn Battaglia on, and she is by any measure one of the great legal lights of the state of Maryland of the last 40 years, and most particularly of Howard County. Uh, there just aren't that many people who have done so many things um, you know, having worked as chief of staff for Senator Barbara Mikulski, who was a pillar of this state, uh, having worked as the U.S. attorney for the state of Maryland. She worked in private practice law. She worked on the, was a judge on the highest court in the state. Uh, I made her acquaintance because the Court of Appeals had a mentorship program, and the idea was younger lawyers would be uh, connected to older lawyers such as myself and to see if we could help them with questions they might have or giving them guidance or helping them find employment. Um, and being Judge Battaglia, she wasn't satisfied with just participating in the program. She called the mentors. And one day she called me and said, what do you think of our mentorship program? And I am loath to be uh, 
undiplomatic, but I said, well, from my experience, it's been really crummy. I've had a number of mentees and I have actively tried to help them. I've gone, one of them was a clerk for a judge in a court that I am routinely in and I would stop by and see her. And I said that I really, from my personal standpoint, having participated in the program for three years, that it just wasn't working. And she didn't take offense. She took action. And she actually reached out to one of my mentees without my realizing it. And that mentee, a couple years afterwards, mentioned it to me and actually thanked me for having been interested at a time that she felt kind of overwhelmed in her professional life and her work and everything, and that she regretted not having been more responsive. And that really made me realize what a remarkable person Lynn Battaglia was and for those of you who have listened to her shows, she's somebody as she's in her 70s now who's gone back to school at Johns Hopkins, gotten a master's degree in counseling, has served internships, and is now moving towards trying to help elderly people deal with many of the problems and vicissitudes that they face in day-to-day life. Second person on my list was Tammy Howie. Uh, long ago and far away, Tammy and another guest on this show, Dave Herrick, had been law clerks in my law office. Uh, They were both alums of the University of Maryland Law School and have both gone on truly to fame and fortune. When Tammy was on, she was the head of the Maryland Research Council and was doing everything in her power to promote the success of the tech community in Maryland and I think had had considerable success given what has been said to me by several of my other guests who have been in the tech world. Since that time, Tammy's moved back to her longtime law firm Piper and Marbury and is a partner there and I believe is continuing to do that kind of work. But Tammy is an incredibly vibrant personality, a wonderful lawyer, has a great mind, and very grateful to have had her on the show. I'm going to try and run through some of these a little more quickly, but some of them I'll kind of get stuck on just to, just because to, I can't avoid things. Katie Fry Hester, the senator in my little district in Western Howard County, has been kind enough to appear in her civilian capacity before the election when she was thought to be a big underdog, and then in the aftermath of the first legislative session as Senator Katie Fry Hester, and as someone who brings a lot of enthusiasm and energy and new ideas, and I think is somebody we really need to be looking at as a potential significant future leader in the state of Maryland. I'd mentioned it with Tammy Howie, Dave Herrick. Dave is somebody who is one of the preeminent trial lawyers now in the state of Maryland. Um, I didn't realize quite how impressive his credentials were until I was participating in a seminar with another lawyer who cited Dave as being a guy who does more thorough depositions. And we haven't really talked about all of the processes in in cases, but depositions where you're taking sworn testimony with a court reporter and everything, with your lawyer present and the opposing lawyers present. And Dave does a more comprehensive, thorough, and unique job of that than anybody. And this half an hour show is not sufficient to really detail all the things that he does, but I think it would be interesting to have him on again. He's been on twice before to discuss he, how he uses that and how that can be beneficial in cases. My longtime friend and partner, Alan Steinhorn, has been on the show more times than anybody else, along with my other dear friend, Ron Schwartz. Uh, if I have a guest who says they're coming and then they can't because they got to go to court or they've got to preside over court or they're sick or some other thing comes along, Alan and Ron have agreed to pinch hit and have dealt with so many topics 
They are both extraordinarily knowledgeable lawyers. They're both dear friends of mine. I'm very grateful to them for what they've touched on. And when I go through the various topics, I'm going to get into things a little bit more. We had the legendary Howard County blogger Scott E. or Scott Ewart, who is somebody who the politicians have told me was the person to talk to about Howard County politics. Didn't know him from Adam, contacted him, said he was delighted to come in, and I think provided a fascinating show. And as we move into the 2020 election cycle, I hope to have Scott back so he can focus on some races. He has also made some suggestions for future political candidates who he thinks would be interesting to have on, and I think I'm going to take him up on that. Paul Trinkoff, rich learner, friends of mine from law school who have gone on to prominent legal careers. We had Paul on talking about commercial real estate and echoing a theme that we've had on this show with Lynn Battaglia and others, and that is what you choose to study, what you choose to specialize in as a lawyer or anything else does not bind you to that career option. Paul took so many turns in the road en route to what he's doing, and Lynn Battaglia the same, and I think it's something that students at Howard County Community College and elsewhere need to keep in mind. If you study accounting, you're not fated to be an accountant forever. And so when you give consideration to your career choices, don't feel hemmed in. If you find you're into something and you don't like it or it's boring or you can't get a decent job, don't hesitate to think about something else. Sharon Kelsey, now Judge Sharon Kelsey, longtime dear friend, came into this show originally intending to talk about what we call CINA cases or children in need of assistance cases. They're cases that can be heartrending when parents are dealing with incarceration or with drug problems or mental health issues and the children become neglected or abused. Sharon was in charge of dealing with all of those cases in Prince George's County, one of the most populous counties in the state of Maryland, and in, I believe, Charles, I'm not sure about Culvert County, but was giving her all, came into the show intending to talk about that, and because of the nature of the show, we took a pivot somewhere, and she never got to say a word about it. Sharon has since moved on to the circuit court for Prince George's County as a judge, where I'm sure she will have a wonderful career. One of the quixotic things about the judicial system in Maryland is that the circuit court judges, which is the main trial court where jury trials take place, are obliged after being appointed by the governor to run for election. And it is kind of an unseemly thing to have a judge have to campaign. And as with any campaign, they've got to raise money. And the judges are not in a position to show favoritism or to dole out favors or to give contracts or what other things politicians do. All they can do is say, look at my track record. I will be fair going forward. I know Sharon's going to be looking at the next election cycle to get reelected along with her cohorts, including another wonderful judge whom I've known these many years, Tanja Curry. And I'm hopeful that the Prince George's County residents who might have occasion to hear this show uh, realize what, how lucky they are to have such fine judges. Uh, we've had Rich Gibson on the show. He was on prior to his becoming the state's attorney for Howard County, and he was on in a separate show from his opponent, Kim Oldham, for whom I have vast admiration as well. Kim was one of the deputy state's attorneys here in Howard County. Rich was a deputy state's attorney up in Baltimore uh, City, I believe. I've got city and county a little mixed on it. 
ultimately Rich prevailed in the election over Kim, and I understand Kim's down in Anne County. I hope we'll get her back on to talk about things. But Rich has been very helpful with the program, has made wonderful suggestions for guests, has tried to be an innovative state's attorney going forward. And again, I think Howard County is very fortunate in that regard. We had Jerry Buning of Making a Murderer on the show. Jerry's my best friend from law school. I knew him long before he became famous. Uh, He was kind enough to do a double show for us and is intending to come back with some of his cohort, including Dean Strang from uh, Making a Murderer and uh, various other people associated with some famous cases to give us some more input. One of the things that Jerry emphasizes, he's not all about Jerry. He's not all about Stephen Avery. He's not all about making a murderer. One of his pet topics involves bad prosecutors and bad forensic evidence. And he is able to cite chapter and verse various occasions and cases in which these things have convicted innocent people. Obviously, he strongly views Stephen Avery as having been innocent and having been the victim of prosecutorial misconduct, police misconduct, and in some instances, evidence that was tainted. We're going to have Jerry back in the fall. I know that he's going to be with Dean and with David Rudolph of The Staircase and some other luminaries in Chicago for a big event this weekend. I do believe it's something that can be experienced online, and I'll try and leave something up Uh, on my law firm's website to connect people to it, and maybe we can connect that in turn to Dragon Digital Radio. I'm going to move along a little bit more quickly because this could go on endlessly, but I do feel that so many people have contributed. We had defense lawyer Maya Jackson from Franklin and Procopic on talking about defending cases. Often on this this show, the insurance company come out as villains because What Alan and I do is that we bring cases on behalf of injured people in malpractice cases, car accidents, and all manner of things. And the fact is the insurance industry is an enormously powerful, really trillion and multi-trillion dollar industry overall that has a lot of leverage that innocent people who've been hurt in accidents don't have. And so we try and be white knights championing their causes. But there are many defense lawyers who are fair-minded, and I can say from firsthand experience, Maya Jackson had done my client a good turn, didn't prejudice her client at all, but enabled my client to get a surgery sooner than he would have otherwise, and I was grateful for that. And that told me something about her character, and it was fun to have her on. We had Steve Vinnick on. Steve is... To me, a young lawyer is probably 20 years younger than I. He's a partner at Joseph Greenwald and Lake, the largest firm in Prince George's County. Steve and I just worked together on a seminar last week for the Prince George's County Bar Association. We did a mock trial with a series of other lawyers and with Judge John Davey of the Circuit Court for Prince George's County that was well attended and well received. And Steve's a rising star, and he was talking about a concept that's a little foreign to some people, and that is suing the state, suing the state of Maryland, suing the U.S. government, suing suing local governments, uh, breaching what we call sovereign immunity, which is the concept that the king can't be sued unless he said so. And I know Steve had a lot of interesting things to say about that. We had both Coward County executive candidates Calvin Ball and Alan Kittleman on the show separately. Both of them are gentlemen. Both of them treated each other with a great deal of respect. Both have some different ideas about Howard County, how Howard County needed to proceed. 
Uh, Allen was on when he was Howard County Executive. He is no more. Calvin was on before he became became Howard County Executive. He is now the Howard County Executive. And both of them were working to deal with some pretty similar things. Everybody's concerned about Ellicott City and its future, and everybody is concerned about opioids and the effect that's having on our community. Both of them had highly constructive suggestions. I hope to have them both back on. Alan is now a Maryland Workers' Compensation Commission. Commissioner Calvin is now the Howard County Executive, and I'm optimistic we'll get him on to discuss how it's been serving in that job. We had Judge Jeffrey Russell on twice. Judge Russell is on the CRB, the Compensation Review Board in the District of Columbia, which is sort of like the Compensation uh, Appeals Court. And Jeff has been seminal in not only creating the CRB, but writing many of its most important opinions, creating its rules and guidelines, and is on the pantheon of the most important figures in District of Columbia workers' compensation, and talked extensively about the history of workers' comp and its origins in his show, and we hope to get him back on. Ben Woolery was on discussing uh, estate planning. We had Paul Newman, who is a lawyer in Arizona and California, who was on discussing his exploits with flying saucers and also with renewable energy. And Paul was out in San Diego for one of the big renewable energy conferences and had a lot to say that I thought was interesting. We had the legendary James McCollum. My first radio appearance uh, was on James's show at WHUR at Howard University, The Legal Pad, which used to go out on uh, Sirius XM Radio and some of the other stations. And James had had me on a number of times, and it was my privilege to return the favor and have him on our show. And finally, last but not least, we had Ian Anthony of the Public Defender's Office, who by chance proved to be a good friend of Dave Herrick. I have every intention of having them on again to discuss the legendary trial lawyer Jerry Spence and his unique trial lawyer college and his unique approach to trial lawyering. And finally, our dear friend Jeff Ray from Ocean City, Maryland, who brought us up to speed concerning what's going on in Ocean City. Shortly before I came on today, Jeff gave me a call Uh, congratulating me on my 50th show, volunteering to appear, and suggesting that he had some new information for Howard County Community College students and staff of how to avoid encountering the police in Ocean City in a negative way. I'd like to thank all of those people, and I won't yammer on too much longer, but I did want to talk about some of the topics that we covered. We covered for-profit schools. Just today, a case came into our office about somebody who felt that they had been cheated out of their Pell Grants and some other things by a for-profit school. And we know from experience that some of these places are kind of shaky and some of them are good and that it's important to really check them out. We had an award-winning show with Ron Schwartz, our second show ever, about how to deal with the police when they stop you. Ron had a lot of constructive advice in talking to him privately. He's a little more militant about dealing with the police, but I think militancy when you're confronted by the police is a bad idea and appreciated what he had to say. There's been talk about sexual misconduct cases at universities in Title IX, and it seemed particularly germane broadcasting from a college to discuss this stuff. It is an ever-changing landscape. We've recently argued some appeals in the federal courts on this subject, have some impending hearings of importance, and are involved in some significant litigation that's likely to be in the Baltimore Sun and the Washington Post. I don't want to spoil anything, but I think it's likely we'll be addressing that. 
Cece Pays, a regular guest on this show, has given us her time with regard to mediation. For her, it mostly occurs in the context of domestic relations cases, uh, divorces and alimony and child support and child custody and those things. But she's been very helpful, and I know her mediation center has been greatly successful here in Howard County. And I hope anybody who really is trying to work things out in a friendly way with their spouse or their significant other gives consideration to talking to CC. I don't think it obligates you to do anything. I don't think it costs you any money, but I do think she gives good guidance. We've talked about medical negligence. We've talked about workers' compensation. We had a victim's rights advocate on. A lot of times there are focuses in criminal proceedings solely on defending the constitutional rights of the person who is alleged to have committed the crime. Well, the fact is the victims of the crimes often have not been focused on as much. And the victims' rights movement, the Stephanie Roper Committee, came on the scene, I think, about 25 years ago and have changed the dynamics in the state of Maryland. And victims' rights are a serious consideration, as they should be. We had a show on about sports gambling when the Supreme Court had an opinion uh, that came out that permitted it. And I happened to be reading the local legal newspaper Uh, The Daily Record, which I read every day to keep up with the cases in the news. And I noticed that they report that in the last year, uh, U.S. legal sports betting was over $9 billion. And that's a pretty remarkable thing to have occurred since we did that show. We've had public defenders on talking about what their roles are. We've had prosecutors on talking about their roles. We've had people on to talk about what jury service is like. Uh, I have always wanted to be on a jury. When you're a trial lawyer, you want to know how the jury process works. And I've always wanted to be on a jury and, and everybody always strikes me or my name doesn't come up. But I did get to serve on a grand jury and it was a fascinating process. And it really helped me appreciate the extent to which people in Howard County take their public obligations with deadly seriousness. Those people were all in there week after week. It took time away from their families. It took time away from their employment. It took time away from their leisure. And for their whatever, 10 or $15 a week that you got paid, they were focused on that work. And it really impressed me and had the effect of me taking them even more seriously when I have the privilege of addressing them in jury trials. I know they're listening. I know they're thinking. I know they're paying attention. And I make sure that I honor that every time I have the privilege of addressing them. We've talked about student loans. And one of the problems with student loans is how influential the loan companies have been in making Congress say, oh, student loans, you can't discharge them in bankruptcy. There are so many other things that if you have to file bankruptcy, you can get rid of. Student loans aren't one of them. And the reason for that is because vast amounts of money have been contributed to Congress people to ensure that their votes will be in favor of the loan agencies. And it seems like a crime. And I'm hopeful that that's something that our new president in 2020 will address. We've talked about drunk driving. Don't do it. We've talked about high driving. Don't do that either. We've talked about the Maryland court system and how it works. We've talked about renewable energy, technology, trials, net neutrality, prosecutorial misconduct, forensic science, breaking up. C.C. Pays was talking about if you're breaking up with your significant other just because you're not married to them doesn't mean that you don't have issues that you're going to have addressed, especially if you have children or own property with them. Ride sharing is something that I know it seems ridiculous. The show hasn't been on that long, but in the 
approximately two and a quarter years that it's been on, that whole landscape has changed. And owing to cases that my office is handling and others are handling, we've had to really come to understand issues that confront the drivers, issues that confront the ride-sharing services, issues that confront the passengers in those cars, and most importantly, issues that confront the innocent victims of traffic crashes involving ride-sharing services. Entrepreneurship. It's something Tammy Howie talked about, Peter Coddington talked about, and others have. And it's something that students of all people should be thinking about. There's always new businesses that can be started. There's always new ways to approach businesses. There's always new ways to get financing. There are so many different things in this new entrepreneurial climate that your imagination is the only thing that constrains you. And I'm hopeful that the people who listen to this show will keep that in mind if they get discouraged or if they think they have a new idea and nobody's listening to them. There are ways to get it done. And the entrepreneurs we've had on are people who you could turn to to give you some suggestion. One of the topics that has been recurrent in my view, but sort of subliminal, is something that Sharon Kelsey, Judge Kelsey, brought up and that I had never appreciated before, and that is doing your best all the time. A long time ago, I became acquainted with Sharon when she was going to night school, magna cum laude at the University of Maryland, and working as a legal secretary. And one of the things that struck me about her at the time, as struck me about law clerks Tammy Howie and Dave Herrick and others, is that she had extraordinary qualities. She treated everybody with respect. She treated everybody with kindness. She treated everybody's problems as being significant. She believed the best in people was attainable, as these other people did. She also is a person of profound intellect, as Tammy and Dave were, and she did her best to see that in people. And coincidentally, when you comport yourself that way, others see it in you. I was saying kind words about Chris Evieto earlier. I see that in her. First time I ever met her, she was friendly and kind and supportive. I've never really done a radio show before. I had no reason to expect that they would want me to do one. And yet here we are 50 episodes later doing something that seems to have some benefit to the community. Sharon was going to students and suggesting to them that it is important that you always do your best all the time. And her theme was because you never know who's watching you. I didn't understand that she meant me. Because when she was working in the law office of my dear friend Ron Schwartz, I was observing, wow, she's really smart. She's great with clients. She has helpful suggestions. She has great energy. She'd be a great employee. So when she went off to Georgetown Law School and was looking for a job as a law clerk, I jumped at the opportunity to hire her. And when she had completed her legal education at Georgetown and taken the Bar Association, I was all over bringing Sharon into my law firm. And we were richly rewarded by Sharon's efforts and her work with the clients and her professional success. When years later she left the law firm, and in fact I left the law firm and started my own present little thing, Sharon put her energy into all of this and people everywhere were watching. I know Judge Michelle Houghton in the Court of Appeals was watching. I know Congressman Elijah Cummings was watching. I know a lot of people of prominence were observing Sharon and seeing the same qualities that I saw. 
And so now Sharon is a circuit court judge in the Prince George's County, something that she has dreamed of her whole life, something she did not imagine she would attain. And yet all the people who saw her doing her best, all the people who were the ones who were watching when you never know who's watching, loved supporting her and are incredibly proud of her success. And I would say that is the common denominator, whether it's 73 or 74-year-old Lynn Battaglia or some of the young people who have come through here, is making an effort to put your best foot forward is something that doesn't just benefit you. It benefits the other people who see in you things that are of vast potential, whether you're an entrepreneur, a lawyer, a politician, Katie Fry Hester's that kind of person too. All of the people I have cited are people who make the effort to put their best foot forward. And if there's any message that I would put into this final statement, it's do your best. You will be rewarded. You can be discouraged. You can be down. You can feel like you're not getting credit for it. But if you persist, there will be rewards for you. I'd like to thank the audience and the folks associated with Dragon Digital Radio. We have a number of interesting shows that we are contemplating for the fall. And with that, I'd like to say farewell. This is Bob Clark, Everyday Law. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio.